education. Education null? I don't, I don't know. Education. Hello, and welcome to Podnomic. Welcome back to Podnomic. Whatever, if you're a first-time listener, welcome. We are a podcast about podcasts. My name's Josh. I'm Carrie. Well, this is episode 10. No, it's not. It's episode 11. This is episode 11. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And the genre, funnily enough, is education. Education. See, I put education null. I don't don't know. It seemed like an educational podcast. Right. But anyways, they're podcasts that are going to, they're aimed at learning you things. Sure. So that's the uh, that's the genre for today. But first, and maybe more importantly, we have some exciting podnobbing news. Let's go to our intrepid podnobbing news reporter, Carrie. Carrie, what's going on in the world of podcasting? Thanks, Josh. This episode is being recorded on September 12th of 2019. So a fitting topic to begin today's show As the podcast market grows, folks are really jumping on both the free and the for-profit education model geared towards aspiring podcasters. Just over the last three weeks, I've seen ads for a free ebook, Tools for Podcasting, written by Jill Olmstead. The CBC launched a podcast in class, custom-made lesson plans, slides, handouts, homework, and even videos featuring your hosts from CBC Podcasts. Coleman Insights plans a free webinar series called Outside Thinking for Podcasts. There's a free event in London about how to pitch podcasts and radio. In Jamaica, Henneke Wakis Porter, who's the host of The Entrepreneurial You and the Jamaica Stock Exchange, is hosting a beginning podcasting workshop. As the medium explodes, everybody's looking to be the next big thing. And my prediction is that we are heading into the, like, University of Phoenix podcast model. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, sure. Boy. Yeah, just get <laughs> your degree. Come, get your degree in podcasting. It's just, like, it went from zero to 5,000 so quickly. So I've been kind of giggling at that because, I don't know, every opportunity to make a buck, I guess that's, it's fine. But, you know, so many of these people... I'm not going to get a whole lot of out of this stuff. But for now, a lot of it's free. Yeah. what I, All I heard there and what you just said was more work for us. It just means more, <laughs> more podcasts. <laughs> also from Pod News, M.L. Elrick's Soul of Detroit podcast has been put on pause. So not officially canceled, I guess, but put on pause. So M.L. Elric is a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist. The podcast was a production of Fox 2 in Detroit. Apparently, he's really well known in Detroit. He's gotten into all kinds of, you know, infamous scuffles with uh, city council members. And apparently he had like some kind of weird run in with the police. So the official statement of why this podcast was put on pause is because Fox 2 has new leadership and the podcast is being paused to sift through the current products and streamline according to new branding and blah, 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 blah. But the rumor that's spreading is that Elric published an episode in which he was highly critical of Detroit's power company, which is DTE, and the energy company advertises on Fox 2, hence, you know, pays Fox 2. So the rumor is that he might be getting the boot because he, you know, kind of gave the finger to one of their major financial supporters. Hmm. Yeah, they could have just pulled his power. <laughs> Another note that I want to point out here, just in case anybody is wondering, DTE in this story stands for Data Terminal Equipment, but I'd like to point out to the young folks, I know it also stands for Down to Earth. Huh? For It stands for what? Down to Earth. Oh, Down to Earth. I That's thought DTE right. was like that drug that you... Never mind. Well, I always, when I see DT, I assume down to, you know. And so that was like, what is the E? Oh, down to eat. I'm down (laughs) Down to to eat. eat. Down to eat. Down to exercise. Or down to enjoy. All right. From Tech Advisor. So this just made me laugh. (laughs) So Spotify has a subscription option that offers parental controls. But what they're finding out is that those parental controls are a bit flawed. 
in the identification of kid-friendly podcasts. The way it works, it specifically is looking for things that are labeled explicit. And while a podcast might be labeled explicit, if not every episode is labeled explicit, those episodes can become available Mm -hmm. when the kids are looking for parentally controlled podcasts. So the examples that they gave in this article were hysterical to me. They pointed out that there were episodes of Guys We Fucked that were available, which I've never listened to. I've heard that it's a lot of fun if you're an adult and you're ready for this conversation. But for children, the example that was cited in the article was that children had access to an episode in which a listener discusses accidentally fisting her own pussy. Ooh. All right. Did we mark this one explicit? We should mark this explicit. (laughs) Man, this is the most explicit news I've ever heard. Anyway, um, I know that this probably led to a lot of awkward conversations across America. But honestly, for me, it led to like a good solid three minutes of laughter. Uh, And then lastly, from PodTrack. So NPR remains the number one global podcaster. But iHeartRadio is officially in the number one spot for the U.S. And now, iHeartRadio saw a 26% jump, which they attributed to the return of Ron Burgundy. But Josh, I'm wondering if we are responsible for a little percentage of that jump, huh? Huh? It's quite possible. We've seen a massive influx in listeners, so thank you. But I believe what we're looking for is, you're welcome. You're welcome, My Heart Radio. We did it for you. And that is it from Podnobby News. All right, we're back to our podcast, episode 11, Educational. Yeah, we've done a lot. We've done a lot of this. Uh, you know, we've did, we did history. We did, uh, what was it? Uh, edu- it's like science. Uh, Technology. There's a lot of there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of learning going on here. It's sort of pissing me off. Um, sure. I'm, I find myself not retaining anything. Mm, uh, that is unfortunate. So, yeah. Up until I found a couple of podcasts that uh, I did retain. So there's that. Well, I took this very differently, actually. So the first the first like week of looking, I was digging around for podcasts about education. Actually, right. I did some of that too. Yeah, are, they were terrible. They were not okay. <laughs> I didn't find them terrible. <laughs> I felt like if you're not a teacher, you're not right. going to listen to this oh, podcast. Yeah. No, there's definitely if you are a teacher, there's a lot of good, probably I'm guessing good podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, there's only it's a small it's a small percentage of people overall. Mm-hmm. where this would apply to, so I skipped all those. But uh, we did find four. Yeah. So I would say generally the four podcasts you're about to hear uh, us talk about, every single episode you learn about something new. And if you're somebody who enjoys like a little facto every day, you would probably get a lot out of these podcasts. And let's go ahead and get into the two that I picked. Okay. Carrie, what was your first pick? Pick one. Not surprisingly... I went overseas. I chose something called the Y Factor. Welcome to the Y Factor. A chance to work out why we do what we do. The Y Factor is brought to us by the BBC. I've really got a thing for the BBC. Like, they don't need my help at all. They're very successful, and yet I can't help it. They make some really great stuff. Yeah, and they're not, oh, there's not a whole lot of, like, uh, super popular ones. They have, they do a ton of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you look at, like, the ratings and, like, where they're at, they're, it's, they they should be higher up because they're so well-produced, uh, most of them. The hosts are always really good. They're really well done. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised that the BBC podcasts aren't higher up than they are. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, especially I know a lot of people here who actually prefer like BBC over a lot of even local, like, well, I mean, national productions. So um, I really dug this podcast. The Y Factor, every single episode is about a new subject and they they ask pretty large, sweeping questions about human nature. So these aren't exactly the lightest of topics, although some of them were kind of. Um, an example is like one episode's called Why Do We Have Funerals? 
Another yeah. episode is called Why Do We Still Wear Makeup? Another one was called Why Learn to Be Happy? Why Value Emotional Labor? So, and then of course they 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 go across a wide spectrum of people. They do talk to researchers about some of these subjects. For the funeral episode, they did go to different countries and they met people. They specifically for that episode interviewed people who had to really fight to get the funeral that they wanted. And then, of course, had to talk about why it was so important to them that their family member have this specific type of funeral. And then um, for the uh, makeup one, of course, they talked to a lot of different women. They talked to a drag queen, which I mean, and, and then they talked to a researcher who actually has researched what kind of impact makeup actually has when people see you wearing it. How do they respond? Is it significantly more favorable? Yeah, I listened to that episode. It was, it was enthralling. This week, why do we still wear makeup? A generation ago, second wave feminists declared war on makeup, and yet young girls today are wearing more than ever. Picture Kim Kardashian on Instagram, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But in recent years, researchers have come to see the desire to beautify as biological as well as cultural. Dr. Alex Jones is a lecturer in psychology, specialising in face perception. I'm particularly interested in the way that faces kind of form the foundation of our our social world and first impressions first it's uh, transforming about where we think we have to be beautiful so increasingly we have to be beautiful in the virtual world and that leads us to doing a whole kind of different set of practices so the makeup we use to take selfies is different but also the practices of taking selfies has become um, something that's learned in itself like a whole nother beauty routine and my social media like totally does not understand who I am. It thinks I'm, it totally thinks I'm a completely different person because it gives me ads for stuff that I'm like, this is okay. But they have tons of makeup tutorials that they're constantly advertising to me. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to tell me something really. Mm-hmm. They do know what you look like. But the women in the makeup tutorials are quite young. Maybe they're just trying to inspire me to do it. But like I've, I've kind of sat and watched like a whole like 90 seconds of some of them. And the layers of makeup are intense. I'm like, dude, that would take like 45 minutes to an hour every single day. And they went on to talk about this, how some women really do. They put 45 minutes to an hour into their makeup every single day to bring a certain face to the world. And I was just like, wow, I've never, ever, ever thought to do that in my life. And then and then they talk about the history of makeup, the history of red lipstick. That episode was great. Have you ever seen the makeup, the like the Japanese makeup? It's like crazy. Like they make their eyes like really big and like... They make a lot of their features, they change their features, but like they put so much on that they can like literally like tear off when they like take it off. Like it's caked on. They pull their whole face off. It looks, it's crazy. I've seen YouTube videos on it. Do they, do they try to make themselves look like, um, like anime or something? Are they trying to make themselves look like cartoon? I'm sure it's all some weird sex fetish stuff, but yes, they do weird stuff like with their, they like do weird stuff with their tongue and they like try to, uh, separate their teeth. They they do a lot of weird stuff. I really enjoyed the why learn to be happy episode. Um, they didn't really talk about anything that I didn't know, you know, like all these, like how to be happy things are pretty widely published. Keep a gratitude journal, volunteer, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that they talked about that I thought was really interesting when they were talking to one of the researchers was your brain is not programmed to to actually make you happy. That so many of our instincts are completely counterintuitive to what would actually make us happy. So, so much of pursuing contentment, you know, they did point out like being content truly is the best experience, you know, like constantly searching for happiness is generally a futile goal um, and a disappointing one. But they, they basically said like, every time your brain tells you, if you just had this, you would be happy. If you just had this, you would be happy. If you just had this, you would be happy. It's almost always wrong aside from the basic necessities of relatively comfortable survival that is associated with happiness. Mm. Or if I, if I just had a drink, I'd be happy. If I just had a cocktail. Yeah. See, it's about keeping the goals small and attainable. (laughs) One little pitter-patter step at a time. First, a cocktail. Happy. Second, chicken wings. Happier. Third, french fries. Mmm, happier. (laughs) You had me at chicken wings. So that is my first pick. And my first pick is the why factor. And these stories are not only incredibly well-researched and interesting. Of course, it's BBC, so it's very well-produced. But 
they're they're very personal and so there is a, a real human connection that's made with every story and kind of a warm fuzzy feeling you will get with some of them there is a there, there is one host throughout do you do you know the host name by any chance you know what i was looking on the uh i was looking all over the bbc website and i couldn't find either BBC, of the hosts they, they like hide their hosts i know yeah maybe maybe it's uh for security purposes <laughs> yeah <laughs> top secret it's the same reason we don't say our last names that's right. I don't want people stalking me. I hired a bodyguard. It's it's a whole mess. Moving on. My second pick. My second pick is a podcast called Every Little Thing. Welcome to ELT's Summer Survival Series. <laughs> this podcast comes to us from Gimlet. It is made by Flora Lookman. Annette Heist, and Phoebe Flanagan. The podcast basically covers some of the questions you might ask yourself when you're, like, really high. You, Josh, might have a very different opinion of it, being a little bit better versed in such activities, but... I don't know what you're talking about. These are the kind of random, like, pointless questions that I personally can't get enough of. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a whole episode about, like, all the things you don't know about flamingos. (laughs) All right, hit me. All right. uh, I learned something this week, honest to God, that shook me to my core, which is that I have misunderstood the flamingo my entire life. (laughs) They seem like very delicate, dainty pink birds, but they're actually pretty tough. This is flamingo expert Felicity Arango, and I really think Felicity is underselling it. Flamingos are adapted to some pretty extreme habitats. They're in these high-altitude lakes, and the flamingos can freeze inside the wetlands. What? Their legs are actually frozen... Into the ice, yep. What? And as the sun comes out and it begins to warm up, you see that they start shaking their feathers a little bit, and eventually the ice around their legs melts, and they'll get up and they'll just walk away. Oh, my God! Flamingos can drink boiling water. What? (laughs) There was a whole episode about like how dirty public toilet seats are or are they really should you sit should you not sit hold on i did not listen to that episode but i just want to so i this is from what i think about public okay so like basically it's fine Uh is 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 my thought basically Uh it's fine because generally i mean unless there's like shit on the seat that's Uh probably not a good thing but like if it's a little wet, if there's like urine or something or a little wet. Wipe it down. Wipe, wipe it, it down. down. Mm-hmm. Urine's very, it's generally clean, you know, as mm-hmm. far as a fluid goes. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get, you know, crabs or uh, any other disease or anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. generally speaking, unless you, there's just noticeable shit on the f- everywhere, it's probably fine. So according to the episode, in the end, uh, they basically said that is a toilet seat dirty? Definitely. There is fecal particles. There is bacteria. There certainly is urine. Um, but one one guy said that it was actually measurably the cleanest part of most public bathrooms, which is terrifying to me. I imagine the, the seat floor itself. Yeah, yeah. is just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, they basically said just sit down. It's it's gonna be okay. Right. So those like little weird uh, like toilet seat shaped uh, papers pl- things. Yeah, those are pointless. I I mean I think they just give you peace of mind, and peace of mind might be the most powerful medicine of all. So another episode was what happens to the stuff that is confiscated by airport security. They actually had uh-huh. an ex-TSA employee on the show who did not reveal her name. Yeah, everybody loves TSA guys. <laughs> she did reveal that most of the stuff that is confiscated does end up in the garbage. However, they do have a room for specific items. Everything else, the everyday sharp objects, weapons... The throwing stars, the the knives, the brass knuckles. Miscellaneous liquid-filled globes. All of that gets rounded up, along with stuff people accidentally leave at checkpoints. And it all goes to an undisclosed location. 
I'd rather really not say exactly where it is, but it was put in a room to where we could kind of see the fruits of our labor. Like a trophy room? Yeah, kind of. Kind of like a trophy room. And it's kind of like a learning tool as well, because when you get something new in, it gives you something else to study. Did TSA agents go to the room and soak it in? It wasn't something that we would just go and let's go to the room. And no, it wasn't something like that. But these knives here, these brass knuckles, we could see that we're doing our job. Or the TSA agents just take it home. So according to her, she said, she said that that didn't happen. She mm-hmm. said, in fact, they only are allowed in that room when they actually have something to put in there. Yeah. So that was every little thing. I have to say that the the why factor obviously hits a lot more like hard-hitting questions <laughs> about humanity. But yeah. every little thing was a very like light, enjoyable, slightly at times ridiculous little podcast that did ask questions that I was like, I've thought this before. <laughs> Yeah, I like how they, I mean, the whole basis of every episode is uh, just a random question generated by a fan. Like, they'll, like, it's a voicemail or somebody that calls in is like, please, what is the deal with this? And that, then they just go from there. It's pretty cool. I listened to um, How to Get Rid of an Earworm. Earworms are not uh, a, a physical thing it's not like an actual worm or insect or anything. No, it's not like that thing from Star Trek. It's when, it's when, like, something just gets stuck in your head and it's usually just like a part of a song or something like that that's just over and over and you can't get it out of your head Mm -hmm. um so i get that stuff constantly so that was a very interesting uh episode and then i also listened to an episode about fruit flies and where they come from because (sighs) god damn it i hate those things so much and the chances are you've eaten quite a few of them just so you know I didn't listen to that one, but I can totally imagine. They're constantly trying to, like, embed their eggs in my food, right? Isn't that basically what they're doing? Yeah, they come, they lay eggs on pretty much everything. Uh, Pineapples and stuff like that. Like, a lot of fruit, uh, obviously, is where they lay their eggs. But then you eat a lot of that fruit, and you digest the eggs. And then they birth inside of you, and they come out in your sleep. It's fruit flies. I have fruit fly-itis. Yeah. You know what I do do, though? If I see one in, like, the bathroom, I will grab hairspray and spray the, the fruit flies with hairspray. So you like to, like, make it suffer before it dies? Because it probably just, like, yeah, gets all congealed with glue. I, I don't care about the suffering of fruit flies. I really don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's an asshole thing to say. I don't give a shit. We are definitely, definitely going to get hit up by the fruit fly defenders, for sure. They're going to be banging on our door See, what now. happens is the hairspray, it gets into their wings, right? So And then it, like, slows them down. It gets all sticky. And then they just, and they fall on the floor. And then you just uh, scoop them up, flush them down the toilet, or step on them, or throw them away, or whatever you got to do. Yeah, I imagine they would, like, just suffocate in the glue, right? It's a fucking fruit fly. So when you spray it with hairspray, you're basically just, like, putting it in some sort of suffocating spider web of glue. Yeah. So maybe karma will get me, and that's how I'll go. But uh, Somebody's going to spray you. We're going to get attacked by aliens, and their primary weapon is going yeah. to be this huge hairspray gun. <laughs> yeah. just, you can last words as it's pointed at you are like, goddamn fruit flies. <laughs> They will have their revenge. (laughs) Maybe that's the last thing they'll say. They're actually, fruit flies are descendants of those aliens, and those aliens are literally going to say it before they kill you. They're going to be like, this is for our brothers. (laughs) (laughs) They're basically just giant fruit flies, too. I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay, pick one. We've got the Y factor brought to us by BBC. Pick two, every little thing from Gimlet. Highly recommend them. You'll learn something new every single day. It's not so heavy that you can't retain it. And they're actually a lot of fun. Excellent. Let's take a little break. And then we're going to come back with your picks. All right. Let's boogie. sorry about that oh my god what is your sorry about that i got two actually i got two sorry about that Um, embarrassing 
in our previous episode, um, I referred to the serial killer in Mindhunter as Kempler, when in fact it is Kemper, not, not Kempler. Edmund Kemper, renowned serial killer. So I'm sorry, Edmund, that I got your name wrong, if you're listening. Yeah, definitely. His descendants are probably going to murder you. So, it's not a sorry good about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my other one is a little more... Uh, I Okay, so we were talking about history teachers in our mm-hmm. previous episode as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I refer... I was talking about history teachers and referred... I said his when referring to all history teachers. Mm-hmm. And I realized upon listening that that was a very sexist comment because mm-hmm. I assumed that all history teachers were male for some reason. And then I realized, though, that all of my history teachers, every single one of them that I ever had Mm -hmm. was a man. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a thing, you know. But I do know that women are capable of being fantastic history teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, for like, you know, for like children or whatever, the the early grades. God. Um, so I just wanted to say You're sorry the worst. about that. I just didn't mean to say just him, you know, or his or, or the worst. It, it's they. It's all. It's male oh and God. female together. So sorry about that. That was a one shitty apology. I and for that shitty errors. apology, as your punishment, Josh, please tell people how they can reach us because your work <laughs> isn't done. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, you can email us uh, directly. Um, that is podnobbing at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our website at www. Do I, I don't need, even need to say that. It's just podnobbing.com. The website has all of, of course, all of our previous episodes that you can mm-hmm. stream right on there. Um, it's mm-hmm. got links to all of our social medias, and uh, it also has our blog, uh, which uh, is updated consistently uh, with quick links to all of the podcasts that we recommend uh, mm-hmm. Now and forever. And, uh, yep. Yeah. Podnobbing.com. We want you to go there. We love it. And then also, we mentioned social media, so I'll mention them again. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look us up. Podnobbing. We're there. You'll find Podnobbing. us. Podnobbing. Send us your recommendations. Uh, let us know if you have a podcast you want us to hear. We will put it in our ever-growing list of uh, podcasts to listen to. Okay. Moving right. on. Joshua, we have two picks from mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I got two. Uh, let's do uh, the first one is You Are Not So Smart. when I was younger and the older I get the more I realize I know nothing Um, and I've just kind of accepted that and it's a really strange kind of bliss to accept it it's like you're floating in the ocean and you're just not worried about the reality you're going to drown and starve and probably get eaten by Mm -hmm. a shark yeah that whole thing about happiness earlier it has a lot to do with that so if you just dumb it down you can be happy for quite some time (laughs) this podcast you are not so smart is a one man operation Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, a guy by the name of David McRaney. He does everything. He writes, produces, he edits. He does. He does it all by himself. Um, and it's basically, I would call this a psychology uh, podcast because um, that's basically what it is. A lot of social psychology. Uh, let me read the description here. You are not so smart. Is a show about psychology that celebrates science and self delusion. Uh, In each episode, we explore what we've learned so far about reasoning, biases, judgments, and decision-making. So I I found this, I found, I listened to about six or seven of these. I I really liked every single one of them. Um, He's he's great. Uh, His interviews are fantastic. So he'll basically interview uh, psychologists, scientists, uh, neuroscientists, like basically top-notch professionals uh, Mm -hmm. to talk about all kinds of things like stuff about like habits, you know, bad habits, why you the bad habits are created in general, what you could do to break those habits. 
Anything addictive is going to be addictive because at some foundational level, it's moving toward a thing that was better to move toward than to move away from. Is, is that a reasonable thing to say? It is. So let's let's push the boundaries here because uh, it's been this has been shown with even behaviors that aren't classically thought of as addictions or habits. So be ready to go. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> there's been a, a fair amount of work now that's suggested that things like worry can actually be laid down through negative reinforcement. So, for example, an unpleasant emotion like fear or uh, uncertainty. is Our brains hate uncertainty, as I'm sure you know. Mm. And so we start to worry. So that's the trigger, that you know, is the unpleasant emotion. Then we start to worry as the mental behavior. And then we get this, uh, this brief relief or this little bit of reward where our brain says, oh, I'm doing something, <laughs> thinking that it, you know, it's re- actually getting in control or it's solving a problem or something like that. And so that worry um, actually starts to sp- uh, spin back on itself because worry itself doesn't feel good and worry doesn't generally solve problems. <laughs> it just makes things worse. Our prefrontal cortex goes offline. We can't think as well. Uh, so the worry becomes its own trigger and then its own behavior. And then it's just this ping pong back and forth or this, this Whoa. death spiral where it becomes its own habit loop. You know, we also live in a very uh, polarized society. You know, you have your own biases. Um, So they talk about where that comes from. Um, Also talks about how you can kind of overcome those biases by uh, being able to talk with and sort of get rid of those and be open to uh, conversation and disagreements. Um, So I I actually thought a lot of this was very, uh, very good for for where we are now as a society. Yeah, good timing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they also go into other things like um, there's an episode called the marshmallow replication. Do you know what the marshmallow test is? I do not. Now I want to know. Okay, so this is like a very famous test. It's actually big on YouTube um, because it's something that you can do to your own children. To your children. Yeah, you take you 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 have your child, and you put a you put a delicious looking marshmallow in front of them. Okay. And you say, okay, child, here's a marshmallow. Uh-huh. You can eat this. You can eat this now if you want, or if you can wait, I'll give you two when I come back, and then they huh. leave the room. Uh huh. Okay, so they'll leave the room for however long. Sometimes it's ten minutes. Sometimes it's longer. Yeah. Um, and they'll come back, and some kids eat them. They just, you know, they have no self-control, so they just eat it because it's, uh, it's there and it's delicious. Um, but then some kids will painfully wait, you know, until mom or dad gets back and they're just like, can I, can I eat it now? And they'll, they'll get two. Or and then sometimes they'll up it. They'll be like, okay, you waited. Good job, little Billy. Uh, and so they'll, uh, they'll up it and they'll be like, well, if you can wait, you know, actually, well, what the, um, because this has been around for like a long time. Uh, so there's like a, a long history of uh, data that they can follow up on this. Uh, and I'll, the the knowledge that they'd gained was that kids that are able to self-control and hold on and wait for the second marshmallow, you know, have like, you know, better lives, like down the line. They're less, they're more likely to succeed in college, less likely to do drugs, more likely to make more money. Like every, pretty much every category they were high in. But this episode sort of takes that apart a little bit. Um, So that was really interesting. So they actually go into uh, new studies and saying that maybe this isn't the, you know, it's not the end all be all of uh, how your kid's going to perform as an adult. And whether or not they take a marshmallow. So it was really just a study about impulse control. And the initial yes. result that they came up with was, oh, people with better impulse control are more successful mm-hmm. in this world, basically. Yes. Uh, they also do episodes about uh, like a lot of like cons- people that are conspiracy theory orientated, uh-huh. like where that comes from. They did a whole episode about Behind the Curve. Did you watch that documentary, Behind the Curve? No. Uh, it was pretty popular on the Netflix it was the one about flat earthers. I couldn't. I can't sit through that. Should I watch it? Because it's such a painful yeah, topic. No, you, sh- you should watch it. Oof. No, you should watch it. it it's Ugh. it's a very, I would say, a very fair, like, because the, the thing is about flat earthers is they're not all crazy. 
I'm they're, sure they're not. They're, they're not. They're not all crazy. Like they, there's normal everyday people. You probably know some. Don't even. Know I it. do. I believe yeah. me. I do, and I'm just kind of like. And they can be completely normal and completely sane in their regular lives, but they, but they'll, have, but this, which to me seems like one of the more outlandish conspiracy theories out there. Um, they they seem to have an, an answer and think that science is behind them a lot and uh, so th- that documentary is very good uh, at sort of getting into the minds of I guess you could say rational flat earthers it's uh. funny to say yes I know that's hard to believe uh, but they do um, but uh-huh. ultimately they show why they're even their rational thoughts are completely irrational so um <laughs> It, it does a good job at that. So, but yeah, but actually, just getting into the minds of people that are prone to conspiracy theories, which yeah, I, is, do you is there any any conspiracy theory that you kind of subscribe believe to or full heartedly believe? Yes, I, I so I would actually love to have a host of psychological experiments done on my brain because I would love to kind of know like where I sit. <laughs> Hook me up to the electrodes, please. I find, like, Brian once showed me this picture. I, he was watching some uh, some documentary about, you know, kind of analyzing how people see the world. And he showed me this picture, and it was a bus. And he, he, he you know, puts it to me, and he said, what part of the bus is the front? And I looked at it, and I went like, huh, actually, both ends could be the front. And he goes, what? Oh, yeah. The way it was drawn, the way the bus was drawn, it was not clear to me what was the front. Oh, okay. This is just a drawn bus. Yeah, it was just I a drawing. I you were looking at an actual picture of a bus and could not tell the difference. Drawing of the bus. It was part of the test. Tell me what, what end of this is the front end of the bus. Hmm. And, you know, it was a drawing. And so it looked a little different than any bus I'd ever seen. But I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, I could see either. And he went, oh. That is a very rare answer. Most people feel pretty confident it's one side or the other. When I hear conspiracy theories, often, not all the time, because obviously you know where I stand on flat earth, right? I'm like, that is ridiculous. However, there are enough, you know, documented things in the world that I can often understand why people have doubt, right? I mean, there was like, like the Tuskegee experiment, right? I mean, like all kinds of creepy, crazy things that have been done in the name of science. Um, All kinds of creepy, crazy that have been done, uh, things that have been done for political purpose, you know? Like so many creepy things have happened that at the time that they happened, everyone was like, this is, no, this is, you're crazy to think that this is, but it, it, but it was like, that was really what was happening. It was a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. So when people have these kinds of like thoughts and doubts, I, I don't immediately lean into like, that's absolutely insane. I tend to lean a little bit more into, I don't know, like I, I don't have evidence either way. And my guess is mm-hmm. if this really is a conspiracy, we're not going to know for like decades. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. I try not to believe everything I hear. I try to take everything with like a small grain of thought, salt and a slightly open mind where I'm like, okay, maybe... Maybe you are correct, like, but obviously I do have my opinions and my feelings about things that this, like, that I have to ask myself usually at the end of the day, like what I'm going to subscribe to. I usually rely on like, what does my, what can my conscience tolerate, which is why I make a lot of the decisions that I make. And, you know, the funny thing is I am not a religious person at all. I don't subscribe to any faith, but I bet you those people go to bed with the same friggin' thought. what what does what can my conscience take i mean they look at it as god and faith but really they're talking about their moral conscience and conscience and what they believe in i go to bed with the same frigging thing so do i subscribe strongly to any conspiracy theory no but when i hear about things that were done in the name of science progress politics winning control power i am never ever ever shocked or surprised so did we go to the moon Oh, that one. God, that one. Um, I, I think so. Okay. It uh, was, uh, what's his name? I can't, <laughs> I wanted to say Haley Joel Osment, but that's not right. What? Who's the guy that killed John F. Kennedy? 
<laughs> it's not Haley Joel Osment, that's for sure. <laughs> Harvey Lee Oswald. Jesus. No, Lee Harvey, o- Lee Harvey Oswald. There it is, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. See, you, think of, you say grain of salt, and I, I think you were right when you said grain of thought, because obviously that's what I have. Grains yeah. of thought. Yeah. Uh, did uh, did Lee Harvey Oswald, was he the uh, only the person? The sole person in, behind in JFK's murder? Yeah. My belief is no. Okay. But it, it's a belief. Like, I cannot prove to you with authority that that is true. You're not going to prove it right here today? I also can't prove to you that God doesn't exist. This is like the the difficult thing about like the like arguments about religion. I can't prove to you that he does or he doesn't. You know, all I can tell you is what I subscribe to. So with Lee Harvey Oswald, no, I do not think he did it alone. See, so that's a conspiracy theory that you that you believe you you sound rational but that's also what a lizard person would think so what a lizard person would say I don't wait know what well, lee, lee harvey oswald the, the lizard person would agree is that what no, you're saying you are a lizard person mm-hmm. yeah the so the lizard people thing i've never understood i've had people try to explain it to me um i believe it's sort of in the same vein as like illuminati um and that stuff i just kind of like like my idea about the Illuminati, because I do, I you know have some people. I have very few, but I have a couple of people in my life I'm very close to that truly believe in the Illuminati. And my way of thinking about that is like there are like a handful of people that like have oodles of power in the world. And yes, are they probably like hiring little girls, you know, with that guy that just died in prison? Mm. Yeah, probably. As a matter of fact, see, there's there's a conspiracy theory that I believe. I think there's no way that they just killed himself. I don't think so either. I agree with you on that. Technically, that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, but do I think these people belong to something called the Illuminati? I, I, I don't. Do I think they wear robes and like do religious ceremonies? Eh, no. I think they're just super powerful people with lots of money that like know that they can buy little girls, and that's what they do. Right. Well, then, Carrie, how do you explain? Then how do you explain Lou Malnati's pizza? Hmm? Okay. Lou Malnati, Illuminati. So my dad drove Brian and I, my partner and I, to, when we went to visit him in, 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 back home, he drove us to some restaurant or maybe it was a movie theater, something nearby. Brian literally said, holy shit, Illuminati's pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad and I both started laughing so hard. He Best goes, pizza in the world. Yeah. Illuminati, not Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, it, he picked up on something, I'm telling you. There's a reason when people go, what's the best pizza? Everybody just goes, Lou Malnati's. It's programmed <laughs> in their head, man. Okay, well, so anyway. these are the kind of thoughts that conspiracy theorists have. And, and what this podcast, You Are Not So Smart, does is it gets it gets in there. It gets, it gets into all the social psychology of these kind of people. Uh, and then also you. It's going to get into you. You're going to belong to one of these groups and you're going to understand tribal psychology and what, you know. Like an earworm. Right. It's also going to tell you how to talk to people and how to converse and have positive interactions with people that differ from you. So uh, it's extremely interesting, extremely well done. And I got to give it to David McGraney um, as the sole and proprietor of this podcast. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I use proprietor right, but he's the only guy that's doing it. Um, And uh, hats off to you david so uh, i am highly recommending you are not so smart and it also has a very smug uh picture uh, picture their, yeah very smug 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 guy smoking a pipe with a mustache let's head on over to pick two okay my second pick uh is called stroke of genius Welcome to Season 2 of Stroke of Genius, a show exploring inventions, the inventors behind them, and the role intellectual property plays in dreams becoming reality. Stroke of Genius is uh, hosted by Andrea uh, Maddo. Um, it is brought to you by IPO Education Foundation and is produced by At Will Media. Let me uh, read here the their little description. Every Explore everyday inventions and discover how they came to be. Each episode dives into the stories behind the inventions, from personal struggles to unexpected aha moments, to the creative determination of individual inventors. Hear about the creativity and inspiration behind inventions and how intellectual 
property plays an important role in dreams becoming reality. There's an exclamation point at the end of that, so I probably should have uh, heightened that a little bit. Yeah, you should have given a little bit more pep. Okay, property plays an important role in dreams becoming reality! Woo! I was sold. So basically, it's a podcast about inventors and inventions. Uh, I I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be an inventor. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I watched Shark Tank, you know. So if you you like Shark Tank, you're going (laughs) to like this podcast. A lot of people like Shark Tank. It's been around for 50,000 years. So, Wow. Like, they had a guy named uh, Manu Prakash, I believe is his name. And he developed, like, uh, something called Foldscope. And these are these, like, little tiny origami microscopes uh, that are, like, they cost, like, a buck seventy-five or two bucks or something like that. And they're microscopes that you can just make. And all of a sudden, you have a $2 microscope that you could put all kinds of stuff in and look. And so it teaches, you know... Uh, little children uh, or uh, people that can't afford you know scientific equipment it gets their it gets their juices flowing because they could put stuff under a microscope and learn stuff so uh, like that was a pretty awesome one i listened to the uh i listened to the temple grandin one did you listen to that one the autism one right i mean half of the activities in her book have a little note at the end of the instructions that say heads up this may not work the first time you're gonna have to tinker to figure it out And this is something that she learned at an early age. My grandfather was an inventor. He was one of the co-inventors of the autopilot for airplanes. And they had to tinker to get the magnetic coils to work. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And what he finally figured out is that the trains that were underneath his workshop were affecting the uh, magnetic field because he was renting a loft over where they fixed trains. And the person that he worked with on the autopilot was a guy that probably be labeled with autism or Asperger's today. He came up with the idea. And my grandfather goes, yeah, I can make it work. Again, this is the different kinds of minds working together. Uh, one episode reminded me of you a little bit. Uh, didn't where did you go when you went to Africa? I went to uh, Tanzania. Oh, see, never mind. I was just wrong. Uh, <laughs> there was a guy that uh, he he inv- he went to uh, Kenya, and there was like an orphanage there, and he was looking around at the you know these kids, and they had gotten like a big influx of a lot of like clothes and supplies and things like that, like two years prior to that so they're all you know they're wearing you know a bunch of t-shirts and shorts and stuff and but the shoes were something that grabbed his attention because these kids grow so fast that they all had their shoes were either super super too way too small for their feet or they cut off the tops to you know their toes are just sticking out and he was like what you know what can i do to figure this out and this guy invented shoes that grow have you looked at these online? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're like, they're just like a series of like these buttons and buckles. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy that I feel like a jerk for not ever yeah. thinking about you, it. Why Why didn't you think about that? I mean, I've just, I'm clearly, you know, there's people on the totem pole that got to be on the bottom and that is where I am. <laughs> so these podcasts actually um, reminded me of an incident in my life. Uh, as I mentioned oh. before, we I, I think I wanted to be an inventor. I had a lot of... A lot of ideas when I was a kid uh, about, you know, existing, most of them were existing stuff that I wanted to make better. Like, we were constantly losing the remote control, you know, uh, to the TV. Yes. And so I wanted a button on the TV that you could just press and the remote would make a noise. You could find it in the couch or wherever it was. Um, But but here, me, I was probably, oh, I don't know, 17 maybe. Uh, I was still in high school, so yeah, I think I was 17, and I, I I took the day off of school, and or maybe it was just during the summer, because yeah, I took my brother with, who was five years younger than I am, so he was only like 12 or so, and they used to have those like 800 inventors commercials on all the time. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So we, I I called them up and I made an appointment. And we went down to some office in downtown Chicago, and I presented my invention. And they left me out of the office, basically. They were like, they're like, oh get out of here, God. kid. Basically, like, this is stupid. It's never going to go anywhere, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to know what this invention was that I had? Yes. Yes. It was beer cans 
that change color when they get cold. This was in 1995. So what you're telling me is they stole your idea and didn't pay you for it? I don't know if it? they stole it. I, all I know is that invention occurred. And uh, for all you silver bullet drinkers out there, when you're tapping the Rockies, just know that that was my idea in 1995. And I'm still a broke-ass jerk <laughs> oh in Chicago. They ripped you off, dude. The thing you needed as a child going into that office was a damn lawyer. That's what you needed. Looking back on it, it's just two jackass kids coming in there talking about beer cans. But (laughs) the point remains, that would have been a successful idea. If you are like me and you like that stuff, you like learning about things, learning about new ideas, learning about patents, uh, then this is a, a great podcast for you. It's called Stroke of Genius. Again, uh, brought to you by IPO Education Foundation, because there's another Stroke of Genius podcast uh, that I noticed is out there. There is. I don't know what that is. Yeah, the other Stroke of Genius is something about actual strokes. Oh, yeah. All right. Those are my two. Uh, Let's go back. It's uh, You Are Not So Smart uh, by David McCarraney and Stroke of Genius. Uh, produced by Atwell Media from IPO Education Foundation, hosted by Andrea Madho. All right. I believe that is taking us to the lightning round. Got the chills. Josh, what are you watching? Uh, I'm watching a lot. Uh, I I just restarted watching Breaking Bad because I saw a teaser for the Netflix movie about Jesse Pinkman. uh, And it got me all hyped up. And I was like, you know what? Just going to go with a Breaking Bad rewatch. Started right away. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm watching uh, the Scream. It's a horror anthology from uh, some station. Watching that. It's not that good. Caught Mm -hmm. caught up on uh, The Mm -hmm. Walking Dead. Um, So I finished that. Um, And But what I'm really watching. What I love. I'm sure you can guess. As you know my love and infatuation with all things Jim Henson and Muppets. The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance on Netflix. Uh, I I don't know if I'm... I Obviously, I'm biased. Uh, obviously, I wanted this to be good. Obviously, I have a lot of um, love for the original Dark Crystal movie. Um, so, I don't know if I'm skewed in my thoughts on this, but, boy, I think it's fantastic. I just think it's it's so beautiful. Uh, to watch that's my uh that's what i'm watching that's my recommendation on netflix dark crystal age of resistance i binged the newest season of hip-hop evolution really really great show the second thing that i've been watching is on prime i've been watching the boys the boys is a series on prime about if superheroes really existed they would be corporate owned and narcissistic as shit basically and they would be incredibly dangerous and incredibly political so it was it was sort of a show about like if superheroes really existed it would be a shit show and they would be you know pretty much like just more famous faces like reality tv stars with super strengths who constantly need to be like monitored and babied and tended so basically to. it's the kardashians had superpowers that's what we'd be dealing with Kardashians with superpowers. I'll go with that. All right, Josh, what are you reading? Um, I actually did a little bit of of reading um, just because it is fantasy football season. And so I sort of have to read about football. It's fantasy football. I've been reading about fantasy football. There. There. That's it. I am, now surprisingly, yeah, still reading... The Body Keeps Score. But I must tell you, I believe I will be finished quite soon. This book is so much more readable than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be interesting, but like painfully dry. Not at all. This guy, uh, the psychiatrist psychiatrist who wrote it is so incredibly interesting. And he's a great writer. I have to say the hardest thing to stomach in the book thus far is it is loaded with animal experiments. (laughs) So a lot of psychological studies have been done on dogs. Um, And so if the idea of reading about that is particularly uh, heartbreaking or distasteful for you, 
you might want to avoid this book because there's a ton of studies that were done on dogs. You know what? Actually, speaking of distasteful, I have a quick question for you. Uh, it's a little off subject. Uh, it, it, okay, so today's the 12th of September. Um, obviously, yesterday was uh, September 11th. Right? Um, it's, okay, so I have a... I'm, at my desk at work, I have a um, uh, like a, a miniature Jenga set that I don't ever play Jenga, um, but what I do is I take all the Jenga pieces and I make construct buildings of sorts and all, you know, one every day for the most part. So yesterday, being nine eleven, I constructed two miniature twin towers, and uh, I some people did not care for this that I had done this, but I was like, I did it out of respect. Like I did it out of memoriam. Like it wasn't, you know, crashing toy airplanes into them or anything. It was just, I just made the two towers. They're still sitting here. Do you find that distasteful in any way? Uh, I would personally not find it distasteful. I would understand why people would. Yeah. So once again, there I am in the middle. The bus has two fronts. I don't get it. Like they're right here right now. Oh shit. Oh, you're a piece of garbage. <laughs> I, I was just going to garbage. Person. I was just going to move. I moved. The, oh. You're a fucking terrible person. It was, I was just moving. the. Oh, shit. You know, speaking of 9-11 and you're being a terrible person, but really more 9-11. There is actually a segment in this book that I'm reading about 9-11. He interviews this little boy who, in fact, physically witnessed with his own eyes the fall of the towers. And in witnessing that, he of course saw people like jumping out of the building. The little boy went on to like get some therapy, right? Cause the parents were terrified that like he was going to be forever damaged. And he drew pictures of what he saw. How old, how old was the kid? Maybe six. He drew the towers. Um, and then he drew the flames and then he drew the people jumping out. But do you know what he drew on the ground? His little six year old brain. Um, You're never going to guess. Trampolines. Trampolines. Oh, because he thought it would help them. It would save the people oh. that jumped. Yeah. I know. Oh. Yeah. On a lighter note, Josh, yeah. what are you listening to besides um, podcasts? I finally Music. got around to listening to the new Tool album, which is very tooly and fantastic. So if you are a, if you are a Tool fan, then yes. Uh, not everybody's Tool fans, but I am. I have been. And it is so nice to see a... Um, rock album um top the charts took out taylor swift which is just kind of an incredible thing it hasn't been done in quite some time so taylor got too old huh you know what actually all it oh, sorry all it took for uh an album to a uh, rock album to top the charts is taking 13 years off in between albums and having a giant <laughs> fan base it's all it took so so easy yeah. What are you listening to? As per usual, when I am watching Hip Hop Evolution, I find myself listening to old hip hop. And I have to say, it is always amazing to me um, how, I, I mean, like, I want to say, like, some stuff has aged so well, like, it's still good. But I imagine a lot of people younger than me would be like, you're stupid, that's wrong. Um, I still frigging love Tribe Called Quest. Mm -hmm. I still love them and then this most recent series they had most f and i still love him like they just there's some people that it's like hearing their music again i immediately feel like oh god i forgot how good this was i forgot how energized it makes me feel it makes me remember like good times which is probably why i have such a positive reaction to it but some of it you know, some of it you hear and you're like, ugh, this is not aged well at all. And you don't want to listen to it. So there even stuff I used to like, you know, it's not just about I used to like it. And so it brings good memories. There's some stuff that has just aged more like a fine wine. And it's still so good to me. Um, and Tribe Called Quest, for whatever reason, just always, always, always brings me joy, even after all these years. You know, what? I just listened to uh, Arrested Development, felt the same thing. Oh, my God. Same. They bring me joy. All right. I believe that is going to close out today's episode. Episode 11, educational. But we've got another episode coming in two weeks. And it's going to be about, Josh, do you yeah, remember? Yeah, it's right up your alley. Sports. Ooh. 
Next episode, episode 12, we will be going into sports podcasts. So one, I can't wait to find a sports podcast that doesn't make me hate life. And two, I just can't wait to listen to Josh's, which are probably going to put me to sleep. (laughs) But maybe not. If you're listening to this episode on the first day or two of its release, then uh, feel free to hit us up if you have any sports uh, podcasts that you think we should listen to so we can do that. There's a shit ton of sports podcasts. I know. It's going to be insane to dig through all those. Of course, I think I'll be able to narrow mine down quite quickly, but uh, 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 we'll see. All right. Let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. That's a wrap, folks. Right, Pod Nobbing, episode 11, in the can. Pod Nobbing.